Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. show once again and there's going to be a lot to talk about this is probably going to be a listener listener question heavy type of show because number one there's a lot to talk about in terms of the state of the team but number two i in this show has received a lot of voicemails a lot of emails uh, a lot of correspondence over the past week and we want to get to those and unfortunately the correspondence that we've received have happened when we weren't on the air so uh, they were kind of in between shows and everything. So we want to get to those. These questions, I think, have brought up some pertinent topics that we want to talk about. So uh, thanks for the questions and thanks for the content, really, because it uh, helps, helps us out. We appreciate that. Talking about coaches, obviously, it's in, in vogue to talk about who might replace Marvin Lewis should he be let go of his duties. I mean, I don't... Can you really call it a firing if you just say you don't you opt not to <laughs> the option? I mean, I, I don't know what you would call that. Um, and that, I think that would be the easiest uh, thing for Mike Brown, where he's not firing Marvin Lewis. So he's just saying, well, we're not going to keep him. It's just kind of a little, <laughs> little caveat there. Regardless. Okay. We've got some questions from folks. Um, they were They were on emails. Obviously, we've kind of talked about Mike McCarthy and Hugh Jackson. Um, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse on that one, but just any, any kind of lingering thoughts about those two and preference between the two. Me, I would say McCarthy just because of a Super, you know, Lombardi Trophy under his wing and, and all of that. But uh, I don't know. Your and any thoughts? I mean, like I said, we've talked about this. Hugh Jackson will probably be talked about for a long time if Marvin Lewis goes. So, you all know my thoughts on Hugh Jackson. I'm not going to expand upon that. Um, that uh, I've made those pretty clear. With McCarthy, I think with his situation, I, I've always referred to Marvin Lewis as a coach that can take a team from point A to point B. Point B being where the Bengals are now. B is in purgatory. A is in like you know, the, the, the centuries Cleveland Browns. I think McCarthy's kind of in that same boat where he can kind of, you know, t- turn around a broken down franchise, kind of build a solid base. But, and, and, and to his credit, he has taken the Packers, you know, from that, that late Favre era to a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. But at, at this point in his career, he's kind of just kind of being outphased by some of the new gen- next generation of coaches with more, you know, creative offensive schemes or whatever, and he's got to find a way to kind of evolve evolve with the times. But I, I still think he's kind of in that same boat with Marvin, and I think with where the Bengals are right now, they, they don't need another coach like Marvin Lewis, and the same can be said for Hugh Jackson. So with McCarthy, I don't think he's a bad coach, and I think a lot of the criticisms toward him are, you know, kind of 
more recency bias because he hasn't been getting along with Aaron Rodgers and he's been limiting Aaron Rodgers for the past couple of years. But regardless, I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't think he's the right coach for what the Bengals need in their current situation, I guess. Yeah, I I see what you're saying on that. And I think I think while he's had a lot of success in the league and he's had longevity with a certain franchise and this is going to sound weird to say, there are some parallels actually between the Packers and the Bengals in oh, terms sure. of how they operate and the conservative nature of those franchises. The success and the story <laughs> of those franchises are quite different, but um, uh, I, I see your point there. And then obviously everybody points to the fact that, you know, he had Aaron Rodgers and a generational talent at, at quarterback. And that's why he has a Super Bowl, And that's why he has been, uh, and, and I think he had far before that too. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, he, he kind of stumbled into two, into situations that were kind of wow. Uh, so I, I think that's the, that's the knock on him and rightfully so. And everybody's looking for, you know, the next young, the, the young head coach, the young gun here. Um, this one, I thought just kind of along the same lines of the head coaches. And we kind of like joked about it last week, but this, this uh, listener and emailer, I thought, brought up a really good point, and it was with Urban Meyer. And uh, now, uh, all indications are that Urban Meyer is not going to be coaching next year because he's retiring from Ohio State. He's, I, I think they're going to the Rose Bowl, so they're going to do that. Now, the point itself about Urban Meyer, if you just kind of say, well, what about Urban Meyer? He's in Ohio, he's, you know, he was with Ohio State and blah, blah, blah. He's successful. Okay. Yeah, of course. But the point made here was the fact that there are actually now some former players of his that responded well to him and his coaching, either at Florida or Ohio State. There's Carlos Dunlap, there's Billy Price, there's Sam Hubbard. There are guys on the roster that, could respond to him because of having previous ties to him, knowing his coaching style, knowing what he demands of players, and the fact that there have been a couple of high-profile coaches that have come into the college coaches that have come to the league at times. It hasn't been the greatest record, but that have come in and have had success, and he is one of the more successful coaches in this era. So your thoughts on Urban Meyer and the Bengals, based on that specific slant, John, um, I see your slant and I, no offense to you, I couldn't care less because I don't know why Urban Meyer would join the Cincinnati Bengals when he can just become USC's next head coach in 2020, which is my, which is my prediction of what he's going to do. I think he's going to take a year off. He's going to go to another storied college program, probably screw up. And then, you know, after having a win percentage of about 800, maybe get into another scandal, repeat the cycle in another 10 years. I don't want to be a part of the Urban Meyer cycle. I don't think he's an, I don't think he's a good person. I know we have a lot of Ohio State fans who, who are also Bengals fans watch the show. I don't care if you guys hate me. I don't like Urban Meyer. I don't think he's a good person. I don't want him as the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Get him away. All right. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, there are <laughs> – sometimes where there is smoke, there's fire in a lot of that stuff. And, by the way, Todd uh, – it was, it was Todd Edwards who sent that email. So, thanks, Todd. And, Todd, you got to send him some condolences because he lives in Steelers country, he says. He lives in, uh, in Pennsylvania in the heart of Steelers country. So uh, sorry for you, Todd. Uh, believe it or not, there's quite a bit of that out here in Southern California as well. So uh, you, it's hard to escape. It's hard to escape that, that, that plague. Uh, but, 
yeah, there are ties there because you've seen, I think um, Marvin has come and has spoken to Urban Meyer's team, I think at time they've run camps together, that sort of thing. So there's some ties there. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see, I, there would be, to me, there would be worse hires, but to me, I, I'm not as quite as extreme as you are on it. But I do see a lot of your points where he had some issues at, at Florida and some bad guys on that team. Uh, there's been some issues already at Ohio State. And, of course, shortly after those things kind of come to light, he decides he's not feeling too great and wants to get out of football and, and retire. So, um, But a lot of those guys in college, unfortunately, have some of that stuff. Pete Carroll, who I personally like a lot as a coach, you know, he had Reggie Bush and others on his team that apparently did some things that were in regulation. So, um, you know, it, it it follows a lot of coaches, but I do understand the hesitation there, John. Thanks for the questions there on uh, that segment. So, uh, you know, like I said, I think everybody's kind of pretty eh on Hugh. And I think uh, aside from the Columbus faithful, a lot of people are kind of meh on Urban Meyer. Um, and I think, again, uh, most people are meh on Mike McCarthy. I think a lot of people think Mike McCarthy is going to be maybe Cleveland's next head coach, which would be interesting. But, uh, you know, it, uh, the Bengals don't have an Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre on their on their roster, which is what he dealt with for right. almost as Mar Marvin Lewis has been on the roster, uh, been with the Bengals. So, um you know, I, it would be interesting to see him take over this team and what he would be able to do. I don't know. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're happy to have you with us. We're talking some Bengals and what's ahead for this team, both in the remainder of this year and in the coming offseason. Probably a huge offseason in terms of change. Don't book us on that, but uh, it could happen. We'll see. You can get this show on Art19, on Stitcher, Google Play, on iTunes. It's at cincyjungle.com as well. So get it how you can. We're on YouTube. So we, we're happy to have you join us live every week as we record on YouTube. We're going to try and take some more questions towards the end of the show. You can call or text us 949-542-6241. 949-542-6241. We've already got a couple more things queued up before we get out of here. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us, there you can, or you can leave your questions in the live YouTube chat or your live comment thread at cincyjungle.com. But uh, thanks for your support of this program and for listening it, downloading it how you can. Uh, by the way, speaking of support, uh, our listener, Robert, he, he, uh, he was the one we kicked off last week's episode with with that with that voicemail he left us. He left us another voicemail. And it was it was a good one. And um, by the way, both he and Todd Todd talked a lot about how uh, we are how they, he thinks you know he loves the show and how you know he's a he's an avid listener of the show and our writing, which is very flattering. And Robert is as well. And Robert left us another great voicemail. Uh, it was a longer one, so we can't really play it. But it did bring up one point that I thought was very interesting. And I and that point is, 
Um, there's there's been a lot of talk really in these latter years of Marvin Lewis potentially not being the Bengals head coach, not being re-signed. There's been a lot of talk of, well, what if Marvin Lewis is moved up to a front office position and gets, you know, kind of grabs the reins of power a bit there mm-hmm. and a new coach is, is hired from there. Um, what are the effects on the team? I've got my thoughts. What are the effects on the team? What if he has a hand in hiring the next coach? Um, so there's pros and cons to that, and I'll let you kick that off, John. Yeah, I just think that at a certain point, you know, there, there has to be a, a tipping point with the organization as to do we want to grow further from where we are right now? And I think a lot of that has to do with just moving on completely from Marvin Lewis. I don't know if Lewis would be the would be the guy to a, to become the first GM under Mike Brown. He might be. I don't like because people talk about moving Marvin Lewis up to the front office. I'm thinking like, what is he going to do? Is he is he going to be like like a like a consultant? Is he going to be just like a secretary? Like, what exactly would would his role be in a management position that's not a, a coach involved with football operations? I just don't. It's a very ambiguous plan in general, but my whole mindset, my whole my whole thought process on the whole thing, my whole gut is just telling me that the 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 sooner that they just get him away from the organization, not like in a not like in a bad way, but like they they have to respect what he's done. But at a certain point, like you just gotta just move on and from a, just just get him out of like the planning, the the, the roster construction. Just, just there's got to be a there's got to be a tipping point. There's got to be a point where they just uh, just you know, just 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 part ways. I'm having trouble explaining it because you know, like I don't think no, I, I don't think he would be that bad as, as as you know a member of the front office and some type of football operations management. But I, I just I just don't see I just don't see the purpose of it from from where they are now because he's been with this for 16 years and he hasn't made any progress beyond where he was in 2005. So at a certain point, I just don't understand. I. I just don't get it. And, and his quote unquote wouldn't be that bad. Is that good? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I mean, I, it's, it, that's 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 kind of where I'm at with it. And and we we talked about uh, I think on this I think it was last week, maybe the week before, we talked about how some of these draft classes have currently sh- shaped or have have ended up shaping this roster now. 2016 and 2017, those drafts seem to be pretty good. You know, you got your Tyler Boyd, your Joe Mixon, and, and others, William Jackson, those guys out of those draft classes. Um, but you look at 14 and you look at 15, that absolutely destroyed this team. And a lot of people's reasoning for moving Marvin up to the front office or up in a executive position is the fact that they felt that he could, quote, unquote, build a roster, build through the draft and do all that. Aside from that, he has yet in 16 years to fully figure out the linebacker position, whether it's an outside rangy guy, whether it's, you know, the tweener pass rusher guy, whether it's the stout middle linebacker guy that he's tried over the years, he has yet to figure that out. They had a flash in the pan season from Odell Thurman, a little bit of the same from Vontez Perfect with a tiny bit more longevity and consistency, and that's not really saying much. Um, and there's really, at times, been a lack of identity of this team. So my, my thing is, is I, 
yeah, he's done some some pretty good things as a head coach. Yeah, he's won division titles. Yeah, he's brought him back to respectability. But I don't know that that means that he is going to be this executive of the year. Now they did the Tom Coughlin did this. Uh, he went he went back after winning a couple Super Bowls with the Giants. He went back, uh, I believe it was to Jacksonville where he was the coach and trying tried to do some things and it worked for a season, but they have totally tailspun this year. Yeah. They gave, they gave Blake Bortles a, a crap ton of money. Now they're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and here's, here's the other thing. You, you move them up there. You are probably continued to be made in this. I, I'm, I'm not saying a, 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 you know, really bad or really good, but for those who are in the anti Andy camp, you're probably going to be married to Andy Dalton for more more time. And you are, you know, there's probably going to be some players on this roster that some people want to see go that will be kept if Marvin Lewis is on is, is in, on the front office. And like I said, he will probably, as a GM or something like that, would have a hand in hiring the next coach. And it would probably be someone he knows or someone that operates like him or both. And... We mentioned his name earlier. There's a guy like that in the building already. So uh, that's, to me, I like you, John, it's like, thanks. Thanks for what you've done, but no thanks. Like, let, yeah. let's, let's, I mean, either you kind of continue with Marvin or you go in a completely different direction. Don't, don't half-ass it, right? And, and I, don't, I don't think we can sugarcoat this. I think the most likely thing that's going to happen if Marvin Lewis is promoted GM is that they promote Hugh Jackson head coach. I Because I, right. that's what... That's what Bucky. That's what Bucky Brooks insinuated on the NFL Network off the air, and it was caught on Twitter. And if, if he's if he sounds pretty confident in that, I think he's got a pretty good source that's that's telling him that's probably going to happen. And we can just piece that together just as fans with no connections or sources at all. I think if if he's going to remain in the organization, there's going to be some type of uh, of plan of succession that's not going to take any movements from the outside of the organization. They already have it in in motion, and I think that's the biggest. That's the biggest restraint on on us wanting this to happen. Even though it wouldn't be the worst situation in the world, they can definitely do a lot better. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think people are like, I, I think in some respects, people are kind of like, well, we don't even have a GM really outside of the owner, so it might as well be a guy that he trusts. That's a different guy that actually has done some positives for the team. But again, that's not that's not good enough, right? I mean, mm -hmm. to me, I. I don't know. I just I don't think uh, I don't think that's good enough. Um, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sharon. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We've been talking about a lot of things tonight, uh, including Marvin Lewis potentially moving up to the front office and what that would entail and look like for the Bengals. Some head coaching options, and we've got more on tap, including a phone call we're going to get to in just a second. But. Uh, you can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Art19. It's on YouTube as well as our, our live shows are broadcast on YouTube. So join us every every episode if you can. And uh, all of our stuff's on cincyjungle.com. So uh, get it where you can. We appreciate the support. As I mentioned, we've got a, a caller on the line, and it is good friend Terrell. Uh, Terrell, how are you, sir? Sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, 
I don't think a lot of people disagree with you, but go go on. And, um, I was actually uh, had to work this Sunday, and um, I recorded the game and uh, watched the game. And uh, basically, he told me that uh, he was basically bad coaching and late round pick first, basically early round picks playing mediocre, and late round picks playing like super so that's, that's all he told me, and that. Uh, I'm so and, and I'm in one of the but uh, I want the game to at least for the first two rounds. You know, they always get on the second round. I feel that they always get on the second round. The first round, we just try to take a risk on not just the potential players, the players that do give them time, man, and all that. We'll take that risk on a surefire superstar player or whatever. This is this is all that. Make that pick on that first. So don't don't make the pick on the pick you play that you want to stand around for two, three years. And you think that he's gonna make a big guy know the guy to pick the superstar now, the guy will do that. But uh also uh I just wanna say that uh obviously uh obviously uh I think Jesse Bates is the best rookie in this class. Mm. And um last year and last year you already know uh, it was Carl Lawson and Nixon. Mm-hmm. And um, I got another thing I was going to say. Uh, is Dalton the, the fourth best quarterback in the division? That's a good question. Right? There's, 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 there's two two points you made that uh, we're going to address, and we're going to take take your call off the air. Thanks, Terrell. Appreciate you tuning in and calling in as usual, buddy. Um, yeah. It's it's really funny. The first thing I want to I want to just touch on, and we've touched on it a, 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 for a while, is the the high picks, the first round picks that have not panned out. Um, you know, you got Dark as Dark as Denard, uh, who's been okay. Uh, you know, you've got William Jackson, you've got Cedric Abwehi, who's been a total bust. You've got. Uh, you know, it, the, the list kind of goes on and on. Billy Price has had an up and up and down year, so that's I, and that's an interesting point. But I think his point is for me in that first round, especially this year. I would like to see the team go get the guy they want, not let guys fall to them. And I think that's what they've done is they've done the. Hey, best available guy, regardless of position, and and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I want to see a guy, a high impact guy, that and if it costs you picks, go move up and get him. Because if you think he's going to start for your team for five plus years and be a good player, go get him. And I think that's a great um, entry point into their overall draft philosophy. Whereas a lot of people, a lot of people will say that an average NFL draft class maybe has fifteen to twenty like. Not, not even blue chip, just like guys worth of a first round pick. And then after that, there's like like three dozen like guys who would fit like a second round pick. And some of those guys get drafted in the first round. And a lot of the Bengals first round picks in recent years have been guys picked in the, in the 20s or whatnot. So some teams would consider them, you know, borderline first round players or, what, or whatnot. So the Bengals, when they sit back and let guys fall to them, 
they, they miss out on those blue chip prospects, those impact players who can jump in in year one. Now, obviously, a guy like William Jackson kind of is an exception to the rule where he's been exceptional from day one. He's also an older rookie or an older second-year player. That's kind of past the point. But to your point, like aggressively going up and getting one of those very best 10 to 15 prospects is definitely something that would be refreshing to see because they've had more success drafting in the second, third, and even fourth round because a lot of those players, they're all, they're all like like we said, they're all kind of in the same bowl of talent where they're just a tier below like that top 15 you know threshold that you know players yeah. – Players just don't leave the, the, the first half of the first round. When they do, they end up being like Derwin James, where, you know, 1,600 teams are just, you know, f- f- face-palming about how, how do we let that guy, like, drop drop past all of us. So, yeah, the, the, the willingness to forfeit, like, a, a meaningless fourth or sixth-round pick or even, like, like a like a future third-round pick or, or a compensatory pick for letting the free agent go, forfeiting those assets to get a true surefire asset at a position of need, a guy who checks all the boxes, like a great athlete, produces well against the great strength of schedule in a great program. Getting a guy like that can make such an impact difference. And it could be at any position, like the Colts, for example. Like they drafted Quinn Nelson six overall at a guard at, at the guard spot. Their offense line has never looked better with the addition of him because he brings that mentality. Like uh, a guy like Roquan Smith you know, has, has completely fit into that Vic Vangio Bears defense and has given them a piece that has elevated their defense going forward. It, it Sometimes it all, all it takes is just one guy. And you don't have to have a draft class filled with 10, 11 guys and hoping that maybe five or six of them hit. If you have one guy in the top in the top half of that first round who just hits and makes an impact quickly, it can just like change the whole culture of your of your team and of a, a struggling defense or an offense that needs to surge. So I fully agree with that point for sure. Yeah, and unfortunately, just too many times they they sit and they wait and they don't move or they move back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, collecting picks is great, but we've seen some of these picks, they get these mid late round picks, guys that just don't play or guys that just are special teams guys. And that's it. And then your first round pick is sometimes good, sometimes awful, sometimes somewhere in between. I I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, to me, it's just kind of like, what are you hoarding these picks for? If you're not getting, you're getting quantity over quality a lot of times. And I, I think unfortunately, They've now, with with three losing seasons on the horizon, three straight losing seasons on the horizon. You got to tweak that a little bit. Uh, he brought up the the Dalton being fourth best quarterback in the, in the division. I don't agree. I still think Baltimore's quarterbacks are worse than Dalton. Um, I I guess right now most people because it's a sexy thing to say is you know. Oh, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, he's he's the guy and and you know, he's the number one overall pick and all that. I I have never been a Baker guy. Um I guess you can say right now he's playing better than Dalton because Dalton isn't playing, but uh, <laughs> I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the division. At at certain points he was playing almost close to the best quarterback in the division, but um I don't know your thoughts on that real quick before we move on. I, I will I will say that right now Baker Mayfield is basically at the same point in my opinion as Andy Dolan as a player, and obviously Dolan will progressively get a little bit worse. And Baker yeah. Mayfield, I think, is on the clear uprise. Um, I was a, I was a proponent of when, when the Bengals were picking twelfth at the time, and you know before the draft season fully took swing, before Baker Mayfield got that momentum as being the first overall pick. I was I was a fan of potentially 
bringing him in as as that first round pick because I think he's that good. And now he's thriving under Freddie Kitchens, under you know, away from the Hugh Jackson influence, and now he's kind of living up to his potential. So I would say that yes, at, at this point going forward, he is the better quarterback going forward than Andy, Andy Dalton. I'm a, I'm a Lamar Jackson stand. I'm 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 a, I'm a fan of his to a fault. Um, I think that the offense that they're running and the scheme that they're deploying with him at the lead is is very successful and is not only successful but I think sustainable as well until defenses figure out a way to to to, to flush it out. But he's kind of in that. I think he's just kind of in that same boat because maybe he's not as accurate as Dalton, but I just think that there's there's a certain level of natural raw talent that's more noticeable with Lamar Jackson and the, and the impact that he can make over a guy like Andy Dalton, because like we talked about it so many times, Andy Dalton's basically the borderline replacement level quarterback who you can get to produce at an above average level. But if not everything clicks, then you have below average production and th- th- therefore just, just, just a mediocre, you know, middling team with Lamar Jackson. You know, we haven't seen as much as Baker Mayfield to this point in, in the season, but you know, the, the, the things that people loved about Lamar, they're showing the things that people hate about Lamar are showing in kind of an equal way. And I, I, I just think that he's not quite at, at the level that Mayfield is right now, but I think he's kind of reaching on that path. But to answer Terrell's question, I I, I want to say he's better than Dolan, but I just can't fully say it with, like, with, a, with a full head of confidence that he is. So I, 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 I will for now keep him below Dolan, but going forward for the future – the Bengals quarterback situation, definitely fourth in that, in that list for sure. That's yeah, that's a, that, that's a good point. Cause that's a different question. The quarterback situation and the quarterback um, that that's actually kind of two different things, right. uh, two different topics, but obviously they're very much related and uh, you know, it's getting to the point now, especially with, we talked about this on the show with the organizational shortcomings that the Bengals consistently show the most important position in the game, they need to probably start looking for a transcendent talent. And I don't think there's one in the 2019 draft at, at quarterback. So um, I, I don't, <laughs> uh, you know, here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what they do going forward. Big, big year coming up uh, at that position as well as head coach for the, for the Bengals. Good, good uh, phone call. Good hearing from Terrell. Thanks for, for his call. And if you want to call or text in, uh, we're going to try and take some more nine, four, nine, five, four, two, six, two, four, one. You can get in touch with us or leave your questions or comments in the live YouTube chat or Cincy jungle in the comment thread there. We're going to try to get to those. We've got a few more things to get to though. We did get, and I, this was another topic I grabbed from uh, yet another awesome listener of ours, Jason Dickerson. And unfortunately, his his email was was lengthy, so I couldn't, I can't, I can't read all of it, uh, and I, I can't read much of it. Unfortunately, uh, first, <laughs> for, for, <laughs> first of all, Jason, uh, thanks for the kind words about. And I've said it a couple times on this program. Uh, the Situ- the situation and scholarship fund I've set up for my sister. He was uh, he talked about that. So appreciate you you, you being supportive of that and and uh, your kind words there, Jason. He kind of talked about you know the state of the team, and then he kind of also talked about basically does this you know if we need to rebuild the team. This is kind of some things that I wonder wondered about, or if it's a, a retool. And I, I kind of want to take that back 
take a more macro approach and say, like, you know, is is 2019 a retool or a rebuild year? And to me, retool is, you know, a lot of times you just bring in the right coach because the talent's there, but it's not being developed or being mined properly. Um, and, you know, a team, it's kind of what Marvin Lewis did from 02 to 03. Um, and granted, they made some moves and did some things in the draft that year. But, I mean, the quarterback was John Kitna and – they went from two wins to eight wins and almost nine in the playoffs. So that to me is, you know, is a retool or is it a complete rebuild um, where you got to get yourself a new quarterback. You got to get yourself a new head coach. You got a clean house of a lot of veterans that are taking up salary cap space. And uh, you know, this team is still going to be, you know, one, if not two years away from being competitive. So your stance on that, John, retool or rebuild in 2019? See, in my mind, I'm thinking of like a um, – what's the word you call it? Like, like a hybrid of the two where it's like a combination or of, of both aspects. But as I'm thinking about how I would do this, you know, not bring back like almost all the free agents in their free agency class, cut losses on some notable contracts on some bad players – and overall, the coaching staff, obviously, all that sounds like it's just a rebuild. And I think at a like, like if you have an old if you have an old car, and you know every like you know five or six months, there's like a there's like a main problem with it, and you keep having to take it into the shop, and end up you know you end up spending more on repairs than eventually what it's worth at the point. At what point do you just say just 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 cut the losses, just sell just sell it, just throw it in the junkyard, and just get something new? Like like how many times? Does this team have to reword what they mean by retool instead of just going all in and actually making changes that can actually matter? And obviously this is wishful thinking because this is the Cincinnati Bengals. They're the most conservative team in the history of the NFL. But, you know, I, I, I think they I think that they want to have that hybrid between a rebuild and a retool because they know that they can't be complacent at a certain level, but they don't have the courage to take the step of going for new leadership and potentially going back to where they were. And that, you know, that fear of progress has halted them of actually obtaining progress for almost two decades now. So, it, 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 like, I, I'm so ingrained in, like, their train of thought that I'm thinking of, like, a hybrid between the two. But at some point, you got to pick a side and the side that has more, that makes the most sense for, in their current situation is a rebuild. Now, unfortunately, like we talked about, the, the quarterbacks in this draft class, besides maybe Dwayne Haskins, they're not very promising. I and mean, without that new quarterback leading the way, it's kind of hard to, you know, fully rebuild. But bringing in a new coaching staff, you know, with new guys, new new blood, li liquidating, you know, bad assets on the roster right now, just not investing a lot of money in, the, in you know, the current talent that's going to free agency. That's kind of where I'm at. And that kind of leans towards more of a rebuild and a retool, I guess. Yeah, and I, I love this answer from Zachary Stemple in the live YouTube chat. Retool the roster and rebuild the coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that answer, and that's uh, that's a really good point. I, I, it's just put very, very well. My worry is this, though. You know, I mean, you look at the roster, and, yeah, you've got potential Hall of Fame players in A.J. Green and Geno Atkins on the roster. You have a veteran quarterback who has seen – a moderate level of success and has led this team to division titles in Andy Dalton. Um, you've got 
at least over the past couple of years, because of losing seasons, you've got a, you know, a reasonable amount of higher picks than you had in that stretch of playoff seasons, guys that you were picked higher in the draft. My, my issue is this, and this is what happens when there's a coaching overhaul. The guys that are brought in, and, and Terrell said this about Jesse Bates, and he's a guy that always pops into my mind when I, when I talk about what I'm about to say. The guys that have been brought in that were, quote-unquote, Terrell Austin guys, guys that can create turnovers, guys that – I'm talking about defense, obviously. Uh, those kind of guys, guys that were brought in, um, even under Paul Gunther, who is gone, guys that were brought in when Ken Zampezi was the offensive coordinator. A new coach and his staff is obviously going to have a different tweak of philosophy and what they want to do, approach, roster construction, than what's currently here. Um, and I saw Austin Tran in the uh, YouTube chat earlier said, you know, who's the candidate to be a defensive coordinator? I, you know, it, it's going to depend on who might be fired and who might be, you know, Terrell Austin was in, on a lot of people's radars last year and uh, he ended up being the Bengals defensive coordinator. But my, my point is that we might like a lot of these guys on the roster right now, like a Jesse Bates. But what, what happens if there's a guy uh, – does the coaching hire change the roster or does the roster kind of dictate a coaching hire, right? I mean, it, you, you've kind of almost got to be like, well, we got to get a new coach and we got to get a new approach and all that, but we do need a coach that can come in here and work with at least some of what we have and still get the production of, of what we have here. So that to me is not an enviable position for ownership, the front office, as they potentially search for a new head coach or different coaching options. But uh, I, I think I think the rebuild goes beyond the roster. I, don't, I, I think there's some things on the roster that obviously need to be tinkered with. I think you brought uh, up some good points about some, some veteran contracts and things like that, John. But I, I, to me, it's just, and it's always going to be until it gets changed, and I don't think it's going to, at least not soon, but the organizational practices, right? I mean, I look at still, this team is a team that has a absurd, uh, an absurd amount of injuries. And that to me is, okay, so what's going on there with the medical staff, the training staff, and all of that? Or if that's not the issue, are you – not properly vetting the players that you're drafting and bringing in, or are you simply just a, an incredibly unlucky team? <laughs> uh, because, I mean, I think going into this, this Sunday's game on offense and defense, 22 starters, I think they had seven of them that were not, that were either done for the year or not playing this week. So that, that it's not a, a total excuse for the one in, you know, one in six collapse here or whatever, or one in one in seven collapse that we've witnessed, but that has to be addressed. And obviously your approach to free agency, which we talked about, we talked about a minute ago about going up and getting the guys you want in the early rounds of the draft. That to me is what you need to rebuild. Um, and I think the rest will come from that, the better roster, 
potentially less injuries uh, and more success. That's that's what needs to take place to me. I don't know if you want to piggyback on that at all, but you're welcome to. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just I'll just throw in this like like we talked about like a head coach like, just last week, like a new head coach. If he were to replace Marvin from outside the organization, we you know said with resounding confidence that he wouldn't be able to have or he wouldn't come in with with the amount of power that Marvin Lewis has right now because Marvin Lewis basically has roster control essentially, but. If if someone other than Marvin came in, I, I really would doubt that he would have as much roster control as Marvin Lewis has now. And I think you would just kind of have to work mostly for what the roster, what it is right now, and just kind of build off of what is what is currently there. And obviously, he would work with Duke and and Mike, and in terms of you know what 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 guys would see and fit in his vision or what or whatever. But for the most part, when you're looking at you know certain position groups that are very lax in talent and can fall under quote unquote Marvin's guys or Terrell Austin's guys, you know, the whole linebacker group besides like Nick Vigil can go at this point, I guess Malik Jefferson offensive line is going to see a complete up, up, up haul because a lot of those guys are free agents. And then you just look at the rest of the roster and you see that there's not a lot of depth here in the first place where if I were to get rid of a guy who's talented, but doesn't exactly fit my scheme, I'm I'm just going to be, you know, SOL if, if I just get rid of him. So I feel like, they're just in the. They're just not in that traditional position where a, a coach would liquidate some other talents because he doesn't see they don't fit his vision. Because if, if they were to get rid of like a handful of talented guys at certain positions, the whole position group in itself would just fall flat on its face. And I don't think that a new coach, I guess, would come in and be able to have the authority and the power to basically pick pick guys out of the roster and implement his new guys. Because I think that would take a little bit more time. And like we talked about trust and establishing, you know, off of success in, in the early part of his tenure, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Michael Myers in the, in the live YouTube chat said, uh, you know, something to the effect that the Bengals could have somewhere about 59 million in, in cap space as it stands next year. Um, so it's 5.9 million then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you include that, Magical rookie it, rookie pool and in-season windfall and all of that stuff. Uh, I don't know. Thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for downloading the show. Thanks to you, John, for bringing your valuable insight as always. We'll see you next episode. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast brought to you by SB Nation and PizzaJungle.com. See you next time. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.